0: The first three weeks of our series, we talked about the rapture. Here comes the bridegroom. The Bible says the church is the bride of Christ, and Jesus is coming. He's the bridegroom, and it could be any moment. And for some of you, that's a scary thought, but the more you come to know Jesus and walk with him and love him and live in him, the, the great expectation it brings into your life. And so here comes the bridegroom. And the second week was here comes the beast. We talked about how horrible... The world's going to be after the rapture, when the Holy Spirit's power, when it says he's no longer restraining evil. He's in the earth, but he's not doing the things that he's doing now in restraining evil. Many people will come to know Jesus, but boy, there's going to be a horrific time on earth for those seven years. You don't want to miss it. And then week, through, here come, week three, here comes the king. Last, that was last week. The king of kings and lord of lords and a name written on his vesture and on his thigh, name, uh, written king of kings. And Lord of Lords. So here comes the bridegroom. Here comes the beast. Here comes the king. And this week, uh, here comes the judge. Now I want us to look at a memory verse before we uh, before we go any further. Uh, how many of you have been working on the memory verse? Raise your hand. Be honest. All right, so one, one person. You are a bunch of slackers. Okay. I'm only asking one verse. I'm not asking to memorize the New Testament in Greek. Okay. I want you to work on this verse. It's a great verse to charge you up and to kind of get your mind around the things of God. So we're going to say this together now. If you haven't been working on it, read it on the screen and work on it this week. It says this, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your affection, set your hope firmly, fully on the hope that will be brought to you, ...at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Say it with me again. I'm trying to say it without looking myself. Therefore, preparing your minds for action... ...and being sober-minded... ...set your hope fully upon the... ...brought to you at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One more time. Therefore, preparing your minds for action... ...and being sober-minded... ...set your hope fully upon the grace... ...that is to be brought to you... ...at the revelation of Jesus Christ... Now, you, you laughing at me, come up here and stand before 200 people and try to remember something. <laughs> it's not always the easiest, even your name. Even I forget my wife's name sometime when I'm up here. But uh, anyway, try to memorize Scripture. We, we really value the Scriptures. It's so, so important that you learn and commit it to memory. For me, it has been, honestly, one of the great saving graces in my life. When I've had temptation or discouragement or depression, the scriptures that I have memorized have, have just landed in my heart and my mind. And they're a constant encouragement to me. So, listen, we're talking about judgment this week. Now, if, you've, if you're watching a movie or you're watching TV lately, my wife and I have been watching NCIS, you know, the, about the Navy uh, Secret Service sort of. They go and investigate murders and stuff like that. And are we finding it fascinating. But the other day we were watching one and the bad guy, the bad guy came out and he, he shot one of the workers for NCIS. And I looked at my wife and I said, you can bet your bottom dollar by the end of this show, that bad guy's going to get a bullet by somebody on the team. And I was thinking, you know, and I'm a pastor, okay, and, and, and I, but I'm still a man. I'm thinking, I hope he gets a good one right here by the end of the show. <laughs> There's something about us that cries out for justice. Whether it's, uh, you know, you read about uh, human trafficking and people all around the world that are being sold into sexual slavery. And you think, man, I wish they would catch those guys. I wish they would put them away. Or drug cartels. You think, man, I wish they would catch those guys. And, you know, terrorists. You think, man, I want them to get the bad guy. There's something in us that wants the bad guy to get justice. So the first things I want you to write down this morning as we talk about a heavy subject is that judgment day satisfies our desire for justice. Judgment day satisfies our desire for justice. Uh, We have a judge in our church family, and uh, we know that... A person who is godly wants justice to come forth. And and a judge who doesn't really try and bring forth justice is no judge at all. And God is the judge of all the earth, and he's a just God. And the judgment day, even though it may bring a little fear and trepidation to us, not for the other bad guys, but for us, the bad guy, you know? But it really satisfies our desire for justice. The first thing you need to know about that justice is, number one, that all will be judged. Christians, non-Christians, people in America, people in every other country in the world, and all the continents in the world, every, every person will stand before God and they will be judged. Now, we're going to learn this morning that there's two sides to this judgment. There's a judgment of the just, the people who have come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ... And there's a judgment of the unjust, those who've rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that the first passage we're going to look at is in our key passage for this series. It's called uh, the Olivet Discourse. And it's in Matthew chapter 25. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read verses 31 to 46 there this morning. And this there's different views about the timing of this particular judgment. We're not going to get into exactly the timing of it. But... The the fact that every person on the earth who's ever lived will face judgment. And in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, we read this. When the Son of Man, then that's referring to Jesus Christ, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit in his glorious throne. I can't wait for that. That's going to be so awesome. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom. So it's a gift. It's an inheritance. It's not something they earned, but they inherited it from God prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and gave you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you and naked or clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. God is keeping a record. We're not saved by our good works, but they manifest who we are. They, they show us who we are, how that we live our life, reveals what we truly believe. And so he said, you did it unto me anytime you did it to one of these, the least of my brothers. In verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, so there's a different, whole different group of people. The one's on his right, welcome. The one on his left, depart from me, go away. You cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. They will answer also saying, Lord, When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you do not do it to one of the least of these, you do not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Would you pray with me? God, as we approach the scriptures this morning, Lord, we have a... A great reverence and awe and respect for what you've told us in your word. That one day every human being will stand before you on two counts. What they have done with Jesus Christ. Accepted or rejected. And then what they've done with their lives. Will determine the degree of their punishment. Or the degree of their reward. So Father this morning we come to a very serious message judgment day and we ask that lord you would be speaking in our hearts and that we would be receptive and that we would be wary of the judgment that is to come and that we would live a life that reflects true faith in jesus christ and works done Out of righteousness. Not in order to obtain righteousness. For those that are here without Christ today. We pray for their salvation. For those listening online. We pray for their salvation. That before they stand before the judge of all the earth. That they will have made account with him. Through Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen. Eternal destinies. Jesus or not. Now. Depending on what judgment you stand before depends upon what you've done with Jesus Christ. We're going to look at a couple key passages of Scripture this morning about those who've rejected Christ and stand to face judgment because of what they've known and what they've rejected and what they've done with their life. And they will be judged. The severity, those levels of punishment in hell have to do with what they knew and what they accepted and what they rejected and the works that they did. Then on the other side, those who have accepted Jesus Christ, and sometimes we think that we, we have an out, that we don't stand before God and give account for our lives, but that's not true. This morning we're going to look at Scripture that tells us that we, as Christians, will give an account before God for how we've lived our lives. So the first thing that we understand is that justice satisfies, uh, uh, Judgment Day satisfies our desire for justice, and that all people... Every human being, including every one of you, will be judged. Now, I know some of you don't believe that. Because I believe something or because you don't believe it doesn't make it right or wrong, we base what we believe upon the Bible. And whether you believe it or not doesn't change the truth. The truth is that you will stand before God, and I will stand before God. You say, I don't want to believe it, and I'm not going to believe it. Well, that's fine, but when you stand before him, your opinion will change. I can promise you all will be judged and eternal destinies are at stake and eternal reward is at stake. Secondly, Jesus is the judge. So all will be judged and the judge will be Jesus Christ. Now that seems only fair, right? Because he came to the earth from heaven, took on a human form, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, uh, died on the cross sacrificially, not because he was a victim or a martyr, but because he willingly laid his life down because that's the reason he came. And he rose again the third day as he said he would, and the Christian faith is founded upon that. You know, the Christian faith is not founded upon the Bible. The Bible is founded upon the Christian faith. People saw Jesus die, and they saw him rise again. And they spent the rest of their life after that completely transformed by him. And then later they wrote about it. The church was existing three or four centuries before the Bible was uh, compiled and put together. They began writing right away, but it only compiled and became a book in like the fourth century. So Jesus Christ's resurrection was the foundation of the faith and the foundation of why we have our Bible today. And Jesus is going to be the judge of all the earth. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, that's okay. When you stand before him, you can tell him that. But the Bible says that every mouth will be stopped. And all the world will become guilty before God. I want you to look at a few key verses that tell us about the judge of all the earth. Genesis 18, 25. The second part of the verse says this. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Now, we hope that all of our Supreme Court justices... Uh, that all of our judges in our nation are just. We know that maybe there's some exceptions to the rule and they're not, but we hope for just judges. And the Bible says that the judge of all the earth is a just judge. Nobody will ever be able to stand before this just judge and say, you judged me unfairly. You didn't judge me with blind justice, but you were You preferred somebody over me, or you made a wrong judgment. Nobody will ever say that. The judge of all the earth is just. And then over in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 17, Acts is the book of the history of the church. And in Acts chapter 17, verse 31, we read these words. Acts 17, verse 31 says, because he has fixed a day, this is God, God has fixed a day. So there's a day on God's calendar. There's a day on God's schedule. There's a day on God's planner. There's a day in God's electronic calendar. Fixed day. On which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he's appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Who does that sound like? Jesus. Jesus is the fixed judge. And the day we don't know but we do know that there is a day fixed that all the world will stand before God. In Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, who was a, a murderer of Christians, who was a skeptic to the Christian faith, who was a, the first terrorist to the Christian church, he met Jesus, the resurrected Christ, and his life was changed. His whole world was rocked. And he wrote a lot of the New Testament. In Romans chapter 2, some of those words, it says, on that day when according to my gospel, gospel is good news, it's good news that judgment is coming. We want that. We crave for that. On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. What were you doing last night at 1130? A lot of you old people say, well, I was sleeping. <laughs> what were you doing this week at the office? How were you living your life? What attitudes did you have this week? How were you talking about Jesus and his church this week? What kind of attitudes did you display of faith and love for Jesus Christ and for his church? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. We'd like to not believe this, but not believing it doesn't make it true. It is appointed unto man to die once, as just and just as it is appointed unto man to die once, and after this comes judgment. You don't get a second chance. To live your life. You live your life one time. You die. You step into eternity. And at some point, God then brings you before him for judgment. So, Judgment Day satisfies our desire for justice. All will be judged. And Jesus is the just judge. Now, we're going to look at two different judgments now. The great white throne judgment. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. The great white throne judgment. It sounds ominous. It sounds uh, fearful. Well, it is. And we read about it in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. So if you can turn there. The great white throne judgment is for unbelievers. The great white throne judgment is for those who have not received Christ. For those who've rejected Jesus Christ. And it talks about a place called hell. And I want to give you a definition right now to write down. It's not going to be on the screen. Hell is a place of eternal conscious punishment uh, for the wicked. Hell is a place of eternal conscious punishment for the wicked. Hell is a place of eternal conscious punishment. For the wicked, You say, I don't believe that. I don't believe that a loving God could create a place like that. Where do you get that belief from? We get what we believe from the scriptures. And the scriptures repeatedly talk about this place that we fear and we tremble when we think about it. And we shudder when we think about it. But to not believe it does not change the reality of it. And in Revelation chapter 20, we've been reading about the the last times and about the rapture. And then all hell breaks loose on the earth. And then King Jesus comes back. And when he does, at some point, he's going to judge the wicked and the righteous. And the wicked stand before the great white throne judgment. And in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, we read these words. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne. And him who was seated on it. From his presence, the earth and the sky fled away. There's these cataclysmic things that happen when the righteous, resurrected, all-powerful, omnipotent Lord Jesus Christ, when the all-powerful one comes back, even the creation shrinks back at the presence of him. And no place was found for them. In other words, the earth and the sky fled away. In other words, This seems, now we're not sure about the timing of this. I'm going to give you that up front. But it seems that when God is destroying the present earth and the heavens, and he creates new heavens and earth, somewhere in between there, maybe, is when this takes place. So the earth and the heavens flee flee away, and God brings people before him in judgment. And it says, verse 12, I saw the dead great and small that means leaders, politicians, beggars, homemakers, business people, the dead, great and small, don't matter who you are, these are people without Christ. The dead, small and great, standing before the throne, and the books were opened, then another book was opened, which is the book of life. So there's a book of life, and in that Or the names of the people who've trusted Christ as Savior and God's chosen people. On on the other books, the books, so there's a a book, the book of life. And there's the books that have the records of how these people have lived their lives. Is it electronic database? Is it paper copies? I don't think that God needs any of that. God is all-knowing and he has perfect record-keeping ability in his mind. There was books And there was another book which was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by that which was written in the books, according to that which they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Now remember, these people are standing before their big at the great white throne because they have rejected Jesus. And now... The judgment in eternity in hell, the different degrees of hell are determined. None of it's pleasant, but the degrees of this punishment are determined by how they live their life in the light that they had been given. Verse 14, the death, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. somehow part of us would like to believe that that's just not true, that there's no place like this. And a lot of people who don't take the Bible literally for what it says try to explain this away as just some terminus where people just cease to exist and they're annihilated, they're wiped out, and there's no memory of them anymore. But if you think about that from a just judge perspective, what kind of punishment would that be? If a wicked person who's committed all kinds of atrocious crimes on the earth, and then all of a sudden they die, and that's the end of it? That's not not punishment. But regardless of how you feel about it, this is what God's Word says about it. You say, well, I don't really believe the Bible is God's Word. Well, we'd love to have a conversation with you about that because we, we believe that there's many reasons to believe that it is. And God says that this place is real. And God, Jesus tells a story. Remember Luke chapter 16? If you, if you haven't read that in a while, write down Luke 16 and read it later. That's about the rich man and Lazarus. Jesus tells a story about two people, one who was in paradise in Abraham's bosom getting rewarded, and one was in torment, lifting up his eyes to Abraham who'd gone on before him. And he said, God, send Abraham to touch his finger in water and touch it on my tongue. I'm tormented in this flame. Anybody ever been that thirsty? I don't think I have. I've been really thirsty where, you know, your tongue sticks to the roof of your mouth. Uh, I knew a guy who was uh, actually speared in South America in in the jungles uh, by these people he was trying to reach. And he was laying on the forest floor for 36 hours waiting to be rescued. They had to bring a helicopter over dropped down chainsaws, cut an opening in the forest. The helicopter then come down. 36 hours, he was lying in the forest floor. And he, he, by way of three-way radio, he was talking to his family and basically telling them goodbye. God spared his life and got out of it. But he was telling me, that he remembers lying on the ground in those 36 hours looking up and seeing a, dr- a drop of water coming down off of a leaf. And he happened to catch it in his mouth. And he was saying how thankful he was For that one drop of water. This is what we read about here. That kind of thirst. A place of fire. A place of torment. Forever and forever. These are the kinds of words. That will keep you up at night. In Matthew chapter 7. Verses 21 to 23. We read about. How people at the last judgment day. They will be divided according to whom they've known. In Matthew chapter 7 to verse 21 says this. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven... On that day, many will say to me, now, if you have your Bibles, like in my Bible, I've just circled the word says. Says, does, say. On that day, many will say to me, verse 22, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons and in your name do many mighty works in their name? It sounds to me like they're trusting in what they've done instead of what Jesus has done, right? Lord, look what we did. Not will look what Jesus did for us. And they will say, Lord, we did all these things for you in your name. In verse 23, then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Lord, we went to church. We did good deeds. We gave money to the poor. We helped people along the way. Lord, look what we did. And Jesus says, look what I did. And it's only my work that will get you into heaven. And your relationship with me, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Now, he makes clear in the passage that got your, your life and your lips match up. That what you do is important, but that doesn't secure your salvation. What secures your salvation is who you know. And Jesus is the only way. Now, this is serious stuff, folks. You're thinking, some of you right now are thinking, I picked the wrong day to come to church. This is heavy. It is heavy. But listen, there's great news. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you live. I don't care what language you speak. I don't care what your socioeconomic status is. The good news is Jesus Christ lives for you. He died for you. He was buried for you. He rose again for you. 500 people witnessed his resurrection and his life for 40 days after that as he walked on the earth. And people saw him. And Jesus Christ offers everybody, everywhere an opportunity to receive Jesus. Do you know him? You don't want to hear those words, depart from me, I never knew you. On this great white throne judgment thought, let's look at one more verse. John chapter 5, verse 24. John chapter 5, verse 24. This is a great, great promise. It says this. Truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, that means trust, not just you know about him, but you trust him, you believe him who sent me, has eternal life. Not will have it one day when they get to heaven or one day when they die. The person who believes in me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, that is eternal condemnation of judgment like we've been reading about, but has passed from death into life. Here's the great news. Whoever you are today, wherever you come from, whatever your background is, church, non-church, maybe you just visited today, maybe you're tuning in for the first time online today, here's the great news the moment you receive the, the resurrected Jesus Christ and his payment for you. The Bible says that God transfers you from a state of death into a state of life that's eternal. And he does it the moment you believe. And that's good news. It happened to me when I was a little boy at Community Baptist Church in Reedsville, North Carolina, seven or eight years old. I heard the message. I hadn't been living out in the world and all these horrific sins, but I knew that I was a sinner and that I needed a Savior. And I reached out and I cried out to Jesus, and He saved me. And it took, and I've been living for Him all of my life. Not been perfect, but He changed my life. He gave me a relationship to Him. The Bible says. Because some of you may be thinking, well, you know, when I stand before God, I got, I'm going to have some things I'm going to say to God. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Why did he let this happen? Why didn't he stop this? Why didn't he do that? You know what Romans says? We went through the book of Romans. If you haven't gotten that, go and look it up. And I think it's online. Anyway, it says this. In that day, in the judgment day, that every mouth will be stopped. And all the world... Become guilty before God. You're not going to have an argument. You're not there's not going to be a defense. God says, Without Christ, you're condemned. But He says, Whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and shall not come into judgment judgment, but has passed from death unto life. Where are you? What side are you on? Death or life? If you've never been born again by the Spirit of God, by trusting Christ as your Savior, you're here. It doesn't matter how religious you are how many good things you've done. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And today, some of you need to make that transition by faith. It only comes by the grace of God through faith. You believe in what Jesus has done, and the grace of God moves you immediately, not when you die, not when you get to heaven. He moves you immediately into a new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Some of you have never moved. Some of you are still abiding in that death camp, awaiting final condemnation. And today will be a terrific day to believe in Jesus. Today would be a terrific day to make that transition. Your parents will be so glad that you did. Your children will be so glad that you did. Your wife, your husband will be so glad you did. Because once you pass over and you say, well, I got a lot of time to think about it, I thought... A lot of people think that way. I had a 16-year-old buddy in Reesville, North Carolina on his 16th birthday, got a Mustang. Some of you heard me tell the story. That day he passed out into eternity. had a terrible car wreck and immediately was in the presence of God. Do you know that you know that you know Jesus? Man, this is not something to play about. This is not something to play around with or guess or hope. I talk to people and they say, well, you know, I hope one day God will wink his eye and let me into heaven. Well, the Bible gives you exactly the clear directives of how that can happen. Trust Jesus. The great white throne judgment is for people who've rejected Christ. For people who are still in death and will continue that state of death throughout all of eternity. Pastor Brian and I were talking this week. Pastor Brian, I love... Bouncing things off of him, he's got great wisdom, loves Jesus. We're talking about how we don't want in this series for any of us to think, okay, well, I'm good, I'm good. You know, I got, I got my fire insurance, I've trusted Jesus, I've accepted him, I'm good. And forget that most of the world, I prayed for countries of the world this morning, in Africa and Asia and around the world, most of the world does not know Jesus. Most of your friends do not know Jesus. Some of your family does not know Jesus. So you may be good, but what are you doing to get the word out to those who are not ready? So the two judgments, the great white throne judgment, and then secondly, the judgment seat of Christ, or the bima, or light judgment for believers. The judgment seat of Christ. Now this is where every believer who's trusted Jesus Christ has crossed over from death into life. In this lifetime in this earth they've trusted Christ and they've crossed over from death to life and they stand before God to give record for how they've lived their life. It reminded me of a funny story because we talked in this series is kind of heavy so we've got to break it up a little bit but I had a dream this week. I had a dream that I died and I'll stay at the gates of heaven and I was greeted by some of the angels there and so forth and, and I said man uh, before I meet with the Lord and give my account to him uh, can, I, can I have a look around he said yeah yeah come on let's look around takes me and he shows me all these rooms in heaven and the eternal city it's bright and it's glorious it's beautiful and it's just, it's just an awesome place and I go in this one room it's kind of strange and in this one room they have clocks millions of clocks different places in the world and different kinds of clocks and I I thought time was no more in heaven, you know. And uh, he says, "Well, these actually are the way that we're keeping track of Christians and how they live their lives. And every time, each one of these clocks belongs to a person that's back on the earth, that's still living, and the clock is still ticking. But each second, each movement of the second hand represents when these Christians sin." Ah, huh, that's interesting. So I started looking around, seeing if I could find names on these clocks. And I looked, and I saw, I saw Dominic. <laughs> Dominic's name was on the clock, and his, his clock was like, it was clicking along pretty good, you know. And I was like, oh, man, I need to pray for my buddy Dominic, you know. And, and I, saw, I saw Chad. I saw Chad's clock. And his clock, you know, Chad, he's conservative. you know, he's, he's, His clock was moving along a little bit slower than Dominic's, I think. And you know, and I, I saw Shung's clock, and I saw I saw all of your clocks, and but I could not find Pastor Brian's clock. I said, "Where is Pastor Brian's clock?" And he said, "Oh, St. Peter's got in his office; he's using it as a fan." <laughs> not true. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> It's only a joke, folks. I'm just kidding. All right, so now we're going to talk about the judgment of believers. We kind of lighten it up a little bit, but it's a serious thought that we will give account of our life. It's not We're not standing before God at the Bema Seat to determine whether or not we're going to be in heaven. Everybody at the Bema Seat has trusted Christ. They've been moved from death into life. They're in his family. They're children of God. They're born again by the Spirit of God. Jesus Christ is in them. His Spirit lives in them, and his life... Their lives have been changed for the glory of God. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to give account. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, we learned that, uh, that every person in this category of believers will receive some praise for God from God. God's going to evaluate their life and he's going to praise the things that they've done. But I want you to look with me at a couple of passages in Corinthians. The first one is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. And as you're turning there, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, I want you to remember this saying that was one of the, the posters for the Gladiator movie. Remember the Gladiator? How many of you saw the movie Gladiator? Quite a gory movie, but quite an intense movie. Definitely a guy movie. But one of the, the billboards that they had in the movie theaters for that said this, what we do in life echoes in eternity. I like that. Because a lot of Christians have, seem to have the thought that, well, I'm good. I'm in. I don't have to worry. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 says this. So whether we are at home, that means um, we're, we're there with Jesus, or we're away. We're still on the earth. We make it our aim to please him. Now, I hope that's your aim, we're church people this morning, unless you're a guest with us, maybe you're visiting, we're so glad you're here for whatever reason. Many of you, if not most, profess Jesus Christ as your savior. And so we make it our aim to please him. Our life is not about pleasing ourselves. And a lot of Christians don't have that down yet. It's not about you. Your life, if you belong to Christ, if you've been moved from death to life, is about pleasing Him. Verse 10: For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's Christians. Every Christian, you and me, every one of us. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive what is due for what he has done in his body, whether good or evil. In other words, rewards. There's rewards or loss of rewards depending on how you've lived your life. It's not heaven or not heaven. All these people are going to be in heaven, but they're being judged now for how they live their life after receiving Christ. Verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known of God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. These are, this is judgment for various rewards and degrees of reward. In heaven, the joy of every person will be full and beautiful, There's not going to be any dread in heaven, but there will be a sense, I think, when you first arrive and you stand before this judgment and God's trying to prepare you to step into the eternal kingdom, there's going to be rewards and loss of rewards depending on how you've lived your life. The Bible says that we are to stir up one another. One of your memory verses from Wednesday night is Hebrews. It talks about stirring up and encouraging one another while the days are evil so that we don't be discouraged. Then we turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is our last passage for this morning. It says this. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. How is a person going to get into heaven? Only one foundation. Only one hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. He's our only hope. He's our only foundation. Now verse 12. Now if anyone builds on the foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. So there's different kinds of material. Some of it's combustible. Some of it's purified by fire. Some of it's destroyed and eaten up by fire. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. You see those three, three divisions, uh, two divisions, three on each side? Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. Things that will last and endure the fire and things that will be burn up. Verse 13. Each one's work will become manifest. In other words, going to be examined under the light. Under the light of Jesus Christ. Your work will be manifest. For the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work... That anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He's going to lose rewards. Though he himself will be saved, but as through the fire. So lost people stand before God based upon rejecting Christ, and then they're judged according to their works. Christian people who are in the family of God have trusted Christ. You're going to stand before God and the beam of the face of Jesus Christ will evaluate your life and how you've lived it. I want you to imagine with me for a minute this morning. Some of you might want to close your eyes because it's less distraction. Some of you think that's kind of cult-like. That's okay. You don't have to close your eyes. But imagine with me this morning that you've lived your life. You've gotten to the end of your life You've lived out your days. The Bible talks about three-score and seven, the average lifespan after the flood, 70 years. Maybe you've lived to be 82. But you're at the end of your life. Imagine with me you've gotten to the end of your life and you've crossed over into the eternal state. you stepped into heaven, into God's presence, and you're waiting in this long line. Picture this long line. Just picture you're in Walmart, okay? <laughs> no, don't picture that. There's no any Walmarts in heaven, okay? All right. There's this long line, and there's this plane before you that goes on and on and on forever. This flat level ground, this plane. And there, there's this white structure, this building. And, and uh, people are lined up to get into that building for their appointment with the light, with Jesus Christ. And you're, you're moving along slowly, and you're stepping up into the line, and eventually it's your turn. And you you walk through these beautiful doors and there 's studded with diamonds and rubies and gems, and you walk in and there 's this platform like much like i 'm standing on here there 's this platform and there 's this pile of stuff on the platform and you kind of you 're standing back about ten or fifteen feet, and you think what, what is all that stuff on the platform and there 's this angelic looking creature there ge- showing you around and he you, you say to this angelic creature you say what are, what is this?" and he says, "Well, this is the bema seed and All of these things, this wood, hay, stubble, this gold, silver, this precious stone are all the works of your life, all the way that you've lived your life and they've they've been put into these items and some are wood, hay and stubble. Some of them are going to be burned up and some of them are gold, silver, precious stones and they'll be kept and whatever you keep, you're going to mold into a a crown that you're going to present to your Savior, Jesus Christ. And you're standing there kind of nervously thinking, oh, wow, Wish I had, wish I'd thought about my life a little bit more, and how I lived it. And you went up close to the pile, and you grabbed one stick, and there was this long stick. that was wound throughout the whole thing. And the angel says, "Well, this, this was a root of bitterness that got in your life years ago, and you wasted so much time and energy on that bitterness and unforgiveness. And, and, uh, but God took the sin out of it, and now, you know, you're not." You give an account for your sin but a lot of your life you just wasted a lot of energy on that bitterness and that unforgiveness and it's just wood and you saw another piece of wood in there and you started to pick it up and on the end of the wood though there was this gold tip and you said, "What in the world was that?" He said, "Well, early in your life, you, your career was all about you and making money and buying stuff and serving yourself and getting more and more and more. But it, one message you heard, and one, one time you were reading the scriptures, and God spoke to your heart about laying up treasures in heaven, and you started to invest in eternity, and you started supporting missionaries, and you started taking all of your goods and using them for God's glory. And so He took that stick and He, he, he gold then this precious stone." And these gold won't end of that career in your life. And he looked at it. There was this shining emerald. He said, what's that? He said, well, you know, when you had life group in your home, kids came in your house and they broke everything that you had. And you had to clean up your house when they left. And. And, you know, everybody was sweaty when they left. But every week you had life group in your house. And you gave your home because it belonged to God. And you realized everything you had belonged to God. And, you know, that life group meeting, you thought it was nothing. And you thought it was, it was kind of a heartache. But you gave it to God. And, and God took that life group. And he, he changed people's lives. And he gave people hope. And people came into that life group. And they heard other people share. And they cried. And they grew in Jesus together. This is an emerald from your investment in that. And looked over here with some rubies and some diamonds. Says, what in the world are these? I said, well, you know what? You thought you were, you were just pouring all your energy into something nobody noticed when you were raising your children. But every night you read your Bible to your children. And you told them about Jesus. And you took them to church. And you raised them for Christ. And you changed dirty diapers for the glory of God. And you say, God, I'm doing this for you. I want to raise these children for you. And now they're diamonds and rubies. There was another stick over there. There's some hay-looking chaff-like stuff, and says, "What's that?" Said, "Well, unfortunately, when you went to church, you did it so people could see. You didn't really engage. You didn't get involved in service. You didn't get involved in anything. But you came so people could see you, and so you could kind of do your duty before God." He said, "Well, my going to church all those years really didn't count for anything. It's just stubble." It says, "You had the wrong motive." Went for the wrong reasons. You didn't connect with Jesus, you didn't surrender to Jesus. you didn't surrender to service. You didn't let God use you for your glory. And he began to say, "Man, I wish that I lived my life just a little differently." And you say to the angel, "When do I get to see Jesus?" He said, "Your appointments tomorrow?" And he's going to evaluate. Everything that's in this stage that represents how you lived your life. And the things that have been done for the wrong motives and for the wrong reasons and for self and selfishness, they're going to be burned up. But what you've done for the kingdom of God will last forever. And God will take that and he will melt it down, put it into a crown, and you present before Jesus Christ something out of thanksgiving for what he's done for you. Now, if your eyes have been closed, open your eyes. Back here now in 2018, how are you living your life? What motive do you have for the things that you're doing? How are you investing in the kingdom of God? How are you training your children? How are you using your time? How are you using your home? How are you using your money? Are you using everything that you have for the kingdom of God? Because one day, you'll stand before Him. And you'll be rewarded or you'll lose reward Based upon that. You see, final judgment satisfies our inward sense and need for justice. Final judgment enables us to forgive others freely because we know God's going to judge them one day. I don't have to be angry at them and not forgive them. God's going to make that right one day. I don't have to be their judges. I don't have to be bitter. I can forgive. Final judgment provides a motive for righteous living. Because I know I, I don't want my life to be burned up before my very eyes when I stand before Jesus. Final judgment provides a great motive for evangelism, for telling other people about Jesus Christ. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Would you write this down as a next step? Every week we take a next step to say, Lord, take me one step further to being like Jesus. And this week is, I will prepare for judgment. From this day forward, maybe I haven't been investing too well, but from this day forward, I'm going to prepare for judgment. And some of you would ask the question, well, how could God be a just judge that you talked about? And knowing the things that I've done and the sins that I've committed, how could God be just and forgive me? There's only one way. Because the just judge of all the earth, Jesus Christ, took your your crime, your penalty, your sins on himself on the cross. And if you'll accept his payment, Jesus presents his blood to God and God says, paid in If you've never crossed over from death to life, do it today. There is urgency here. If you're a Christian and you're living your life for self and for selfishness and for things, for material gain, material possessions, and you're not investing in the kingdom of God, oh, come before God today. Bow before him at this place here and say, God, take my life. Use me for your glory. Would you pray with me? Our God today, we pray that we would do today what we'll be glad we've done. When we stand before you on judgment day. Lord, those without Jesus Christ, I pray for their salvation this day, right this moment. Maybe in this room or in your home, or in your car, you could raise your hand right now and say, Dennis, I just don't know for sure that I know Christ. I'm not sure that I've crossed over. I'm not sure that I have eternal life. Would you raise your hand right now? I'd like to pray for you. Anybody at all? I'm not sure. That if I stood before God today, that he would let me into heaven. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? If that's you, come see one of us after the service. We'll be in the lobby. We can meet you. We can take you apart in a private room and talk to you. Listen, Christians, how about you? Most of us here today profess to know Jesus Christ. How's your life measuring up? What will last of all that you do on this earth throughout all of eternity? Would you pray with me, my prayer right now, in your heart, not out loud, but in your heart. Dear God, take my life and use me, Lord, to invest in your kingdom for all of eternity. I surrender to you. I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me, Lord, and walk with me and help me to invest in eternity. In Jesus' name we pray.